Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and Brianna Larimer share their decades of experience training in workplaces across the nation and talk to other experts about what it takes to be a team player, a great manager, and a leader others want to follow. This is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace. Appreciate you joining us today. My name is Brianna Larimer. With me, we have Dewey Thompson and Ray Lyon, the Missouri Training Institute. Today's topic is on decision making. And I was so intrigued by your title with this, Ray. Uh, 35,000 decisions are made a day. Yeah. Keep in mind that some of them are very nominal. You know, like, oh, what am I going to wear today? You know, am I going to turn right? Am I going to turn left? Am I going to have orange juice? Or, you know, am I going to have this cereal or that cereal? So be mindful that 35,000 isn't always like life-changing decisions. Well, I don't know. It takes me about 100 decisions, 100, 100 questions just to find out what I'm going to have for dinner that night. Yeah. So we do make a lot, but not all of them have quite the impact, sure. right, that um, they that we might think when we think decision-making. So, uh, yes, we make a lot of decisions in a day. And I know those in leadership and maybe those in, that are parenting <laughs> at a high level, like Miss Brianna and uh, her husband. But yeah, we make a lot of decisions a day. You know, I think we get asked a lot, uh, what's the difference between decision making and problem solving? So when I think of this um, in business, and I have been asked this question, you know, what's What's the difference? I think, you know, problem solving is really when you're looking at different alternatives to an issue, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm trying to solve a problem. So problem solving is about all the alternatives to a particular issue, whereas decision making then is the selection mm -hmm. of that alternative. But I have to look at them first. I have to come up with them as a way. And I also think um, problem solving is making sure we've got the right problem identified. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, uh, and Dewey's good at that. You, you, you define the problem one way, you get a whole different <laughs> set of solutions back, right? Right. And then if you define it a different way. So I agree, Ray. I think that problem solving, problem solving is about your options, right? Decision making is about your choice. Right. And I think when you talked about all those different decisions that we make throughout the day, Ray, you know, some of the things that are I'm, I'm grateful for in those 35,000 decisions <laughs> I make a day is that some of them are made kind of subconsciously, right? They're like, they're things that we don't have to actively think about because that could certainly be overwhelming for our brain. And I think the, the pitfall to that sometimes though as a leader can be we make decisions that we don't always think about because right. maybe it's the way we've always done it. It's the easiest. It's the fastest, you know. And, and so when we think about those pitfalls, right, there is something, and I learned this terminology from you, is that that idea of decision fatigue. And I know that a lot of leaders fall susceptible to that. Yeah. Sometimes when you just make so many, um, and especially at a high level, or just so many, so many, you just get tired and then maybe you get a little bit sloppy and you just get weary and then you're not always as mindful of the decisions you're making. And so you either give up or, you know, and, and what I mean by give up, you just aren't always making the best and it's time to call it quits for the day and or defer. And we do. We fall into habit. We don't always think about the decisions or we just do what we've always done. I could see how that could, as a leader, certainly affect 
respect, uh, even morale of, of your workplace sometimes. And if you're constantly kind of making those solo decisions or you're doing it out of that speed necessity, the hastiness that comes with the decision making. Um, sometimes I also see uh, kind of the, the opposite effect as opposed to, to the hastiness. I've had leaders before that will uh, turn on making a decision for a long period of time. They stew on it, I should say, for a long period of time. So kind of that analysis paralysis, certainly something that I can see being part of that decision fatigue. Well, throw this over to Dewey, but how much of that do you think is just our personalities? Mm. Oh, I think some of it is that. Um, I, I also think it's, you know, we just get in habits as human right. beings about how we even approach our particular problems. So I've known people who are very hasty in their decision making, you know. Um, and, <clears throat> and, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Yes, Ray. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and then uh, you have habits like me, and I'm probably one of those folks that either uh, dodge decisions. Um, I'm not hasty in it, but I probably take too long to make decisions. You know, um, I can easily suffer into that analysis paralysis pretty quickly and easily. So, you know, we have Ray, who's very hasty with her decision making. I'm um, probably way too slow with my decision making. But again, I think you have to take a look at every situation. It's going to be probably a little bit different. But I do think you bring up a lot of um, interesting things, um, a lot of pitfalls, you mm -hmm. know, you know, hastiness. You know, think about if you do make hasty decisions, what kinds of um, outcomes do you think you'll, you'll get from that? Not great ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sometimes will end up solving the wrong problem because right. you haven't really identified specifically what the root cause of the problem is. Or um, maybe you're making a hasty decision, but that you didn't look at how that outcome is going to affect other things. So mm -hmm. you got other um, decisions that cause even more problems, you know, later on. Or, you know, you don't get a you get an unsatisfactory result, you know, if you go with hasty. But I'll throw this one to Ray. Uh, for somebody like me, who's a decision dodger, you know, what can that result in? People can see those, see you as unwilling to take on that responsibility, mm -hmm. um, you know, for those that dodge decisions or maybe um, they just cut you out totally. Mm -hmm. You know, they you built that reputation for yourself. So now they don't even bother to include you mm -hmm. in the decision making. Or So if you're a leader, maybe they even just go over your head. Right. You know, they and I don't I don't think that's such a wise decision professionally for people to do that, mm -hmm. um, especially, you know, if you're their leader and they just cut you out of of that. And so, things just don't get done. No. Right. When you dodge decisions, right. you know, you're th things are not getting accomplished. And then you got the sometimes the opposite of that, where you got a leader who's just going to make all the decisions, you know, they're mm -hmm. going to just go solo. Right? right. And they're not going to um, gain any maybe commitment from their followers for the decisions because they're doing it on their own. Right. So that kind of results in, in a lot of resentment, maybe even resistance built up by the people you're trying to lead. 
you know, people just going to stop involving you because they think you're just going to take it over anyway and, and do it on your own. Well, and in true MTI fashion, I think that's one of the reasons we work well. I think all of us have a different style. Mm-hmm. And I can think of specifically of times, and this was pre-Brianna, where Dewey and I really played well off of each other because we do have very opposite styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to kind of go at it a little bit more directly, um, a little bit quicker. Dewey tends to back off or back back and say, wait a minute, let's stop. Let's look. Let's, you know, consider all the options. And we are kind of that push me, pull you, you know, (laughs) I, you know, I I think, I mean, we're not telling Mm -hmm. anything anybody doesn't know sitting at this table. Yeah. And so we do well together in that. I call that being strategic. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Then what was interesting, probably as I did transition into, into the role here and join the team, I think I'm very much a going solo style. um, And that, that was based off of the history of different careers I'd had and how I had to operate within uh, making decisions. That's how I'd get things done. And so you all have certainly stretched stretched me in that area to to really stop making some of those decisions in in solo. But I can see how applicable that would have been in your previous role. You were the only one doing what you did. You were out on your own. I mean, literally, physically (laughs) were out on your own. Um, and, and for that, that's what you needed, um, in order to survive in your environment, you know, um, in both your roles as a journalist and as a PIO. So I can see that. Yeah. So would it be true to say, I guess, with all these ideas of the different kind of styles, if you will, of, of these decision-making areas that I'm kind of hearing a theme that, that it can't just be one over all of them, you almost have to tailor it to the situation. I would think so. I mean, you know, if you're in a crisis, I don't know that you want to go and take the time to get other people's opinions. I mean, if the building is burning, you know, we're not going to convene a meeting and talk about how we're going (laughs) to go about this, you know. And I mean, you're making a decision and it might be a solo decision and it might be a very hasty do it now or else kind of decision as the leader. So. There but you have at it. at the same you know. time, very appropriate in that situation. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is about reading the situation um, and knowing what you need to get out of it, right? Yeah. So um, does this issue require a lot of um, commitment from the people that I lead? If mm-hmm. that's the case, I can't go solo on it, right? right. Um, or is this something that's, you know, in the whole big scheme of thing, isn't really that big of a deal, right? So you kind of have to look at, at every situation a little bit different. Right. I, you know, people are more committed to what they help create. Mm -hmm. And so I think if if that situation is appropriate and you do need them committed long term, absolutely. And you have the time. Right. Yeah. Because getting that kind of buy in. Yeah. I mean, if you if you have that kind of time and you need that kind of buy in long term, you've you've got to let them in on it. That's right. But there again, it's the difference between a decision and a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there's all kinds of decision making levels that that get done. So if if they're not in on the decision making, the decision's already been made. And many times, depending on where you are within the organization, it's not your decision to make. Mm. It's not even your decision to decide how the decision's going to be made, <laughs> right? You're just there to, at a functional level, to carry out any decision, regardless of how it's been made. But at what level then can you bring your people in to figure out or to decide how the decision will be carried out? And maybe that's your level of decision making um, within the level that you are in, in the organization. So when we think about that, if you're trying to flex your your style, if you will, as a new leader, um, and we're looking at how to do things differently, like what do you got to start asking yourself? What do you have to start doing to get out of the way you've always done and made decisions? First of all, start small. Don't go for a big kill early or a big win early. Um, I think that's one of the first things. I think when you've decided that a decision needs to be made, decide how the team is going to decide that. Yeah. You got what process are you going to use? Thank is you. this a is this one where you need to maintain the sole decision authority? Right. Or is this one that I need commitment from, for example? So that's going to be a different process, right? Right. In terms of how you go about making that decision. I want us to start challenging ourselves, like even not just as managers, but even as, as you know, employees or um, just general population, you're asking yourself, like, how can we um, make a different decision? That's where you could say, OK, here's all the problems that we have. Are we going to vote? And majority wins. Are we going to let our leader choose? Are we going to talk about each and every one and then our leader chooses? Are we going to talk about each and every one and then the executive board chooses? I mean, that's that's how we talk about decision making. Yeah. I mean, you have to do one before you can do the other. Right. Yeah. You have to solve the problem before you can actually make the decision. But you can choose how, depending, mm -hmm. you can choose how you're going to make the decision right. before you have to make the decision. Right. There are two very different different things. When we're talking about how we make decisions, we're talking about the hastiness, the the going solo and all of those things and like the different ways you talk you just talked about the different ways in which we can make decisions and the pitfalls to making decisions. That's all one thing. Problem solving then is you've got to have something to make decisions about mm -hmm. and how we get different alternatives. So if we think about problem solving, what are some ways that we can improve that creativity in problem solving? There's things that can help generate that mm -hmm. energy to get our group beyond what we've always done. And sometimes in thinking about that, you got to step away from the problem itself. And I think that's the easiest way to get a group beyond where they are right now is to give them an opportunity to quit thinking about the problem that they're trying to solve right now. And so one of the ways that we have done that is one of my favorite things. And I think, Dewey, I learned this from you, is this what ifing. Mm -hmm. And so you take just some really random statement and you just start what ifing it. So what I love to think about is like, what if your next customer wrote your paycheck? That's a powerful one. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, how would your approach to that customer be different? What if we abandoned grades in schools? What if we did that? 
what if we could no longer do in-person trainings? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and you just kind of, you leap away from what your current issue is because you're already stalemated. Yeah. Right. You know, what if um, you never had to sleep anymore? You know, I mean, I've heard crazy. I did this with a group. They were just like, you wouldn't need mattresses. You know, (laughs) the pop population would be decreased. I mean, you know, whatever. It just got crazy nuts. And then once your brain starts making these synaptic, you know, crossfires, then all of a sudden you go back and you look at your problem and you just like start making all these connections. I mean, you just start this creative synergy mm-hmm. about something else and then you can get back to your problem and all of a sudden it looks brand new to you because you've had this creative energy going on. Or you look at something very traditional like that coffee cup sitting there and think of 20 other uses for it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not a normal human process, you know, like we don't naturally do that because, again, we don't want to have to think more than what we think sometimes. Right. So I think creating that that creative energy, the synergies you're calling it, uh, I I think that's critical when we're going through this this problem solving process, because you don't want to rely on doing things the same way you've always done them. Right. Well, and let me talk a little bit about brainstorming. We hear that term a lot. We engage in that activity a lot at work. And unfortunately, um, when we brainstorm, the way it usually goes is that the person with the most authority in the room or the person who speaks the loudest, those are what those are the ideas we discuss. Right. And that's a little bit unfortunate because the purpose of brainstorming is to the identification of as many alternatives as you can. But if you think about it, um, we've all been in those meetings where somebody has thrown out a pretty creative, maybe even wild and crazy idea. And what does everybody else tend to do? They immediately start to judge that idea. So they, they start with what I call the yeah, but... That won't work. Yeah, but we tried that already. Yeah, but, and that's what I call the yeah, buts. I prefer the yes, ands. Yes, and tag something else onto that idea, right? Because that can help bring a lot more creativity to the issues of problem solving. But if you got a brand new team or if you got a team that has some problems, bring more structure to your brainstorming. Instead of having a free-for-all, have just have a round robin and, and nobody gets to judge an idea, but you just each get to go around the table and just put up an idea. Or you write them down on a post-it note and then throw them up on the wall because then nobody really knows whose idea it is that we're that that we're coming up with here mm-hmm. um, but that allows for a lot more creativity and problem solving I also think it really honors your introverts mm-hmm. and um, introverts are not a fan of brainstorming no, in, not. in that traditional sense mm-hmm. and I think it's um, it, it's a way to give them a voice as well so I'm a big even though I'm an extrovert with woo um, as number two. Uh, so doesn't bother me any. Uh, but I think it's a, a good way to honor the introverts. So bring sticky notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of the most interesting uh, activities that I think I'd first done when I started with MTI. We were doing some NELD planning. And uh, when we were in there, do you had brought the sticky notes and even different colored sticky notes. We all had our own color and we had to sit down and write, you know, here was the prompt. You gave us the prompt, you know, write down your thoughts on this and you just as many as you can think of. And we, you know, and then we just throw them all up on the board. And I know for me, for someone who had never done that before, it was at first kind of difficult, you know, to be thinking on the spot. And 
one thing that then we did, I think beyond that is every time we were coming into one of those brainstorming activities, we'd get, you know, a couple days or two or three days heads up. And then you can kind of process all of that a little bit because there are going to be your processors. So as much as you honor your introverts, honor your processors who might mm-hmm. in the moment not be able to snap up all of those ideas, uh, but then at least come prepared with some so we can throw them all out there. But I think one of the things that's my expectation now, every time we come to a team meeting, um, I know that there's probably going to be sticky notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was even uh, when we were we're all working remote, we were in that virtual environment. I was exploring different ways we could create virtual sticky note yeah. whiteboards, yeah. you know, so that we could continue that um, that brainstorming activity because those are beneficial. And it's, it's pretty cool just to see the ways that people can be innovative when they're allowed to be. And that's just one structured tool. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of different tools that can really help with the process of both problem solving and decision making. A good book out there is um, it's a little simple little book. It's it fit in your back pocket. It's called The Memory Jogger. And it um, has a full of these graphical problem solving tools and techniques that you can use in a group setting. I heard you say earlier, Ray, that the people are more committed to the things that they've helped create. And so if that's the case, then on those decisions that have to be made um, solo or have to be made where there can't be as much collaboration, how can you still garner support for the decision from your team? Well, I think explain that. Explain that to your team. Um, Talk about why the decision might not involve them. Um, and what's going on and what kind of information you have access to and bring them in as much as they can. Or, you know, maybe the decision is being made by you, but at what level can they have the opportunity to decide how things will be done? That this just isn't a decision or that there's going to be heat for this. It, no decision, no alternative is popular. And so I'm going to take the heat for it. And that's my job. And you guys are going to help me figure out or, you know, how we're going to get there. So, you know, there are decisions that unfortunately employees don't get the benefit of of making because Mm -hmm. it's tough and there's no good alternative other than for me to make it or the leader to make it. So help me get us there when we get there. But I'll make this for us. That seems like that'd be a very difficult position to be for those immediate supervisors who are kind of squished between, um, you know, the upper management and then their frontline employees. And, you know, something's coming down through the pipeline. The decision's been made. And now how you're actually articulating it and garnering that support with your frontline employees. That seems like a difficult place to be. It is, especially if you don't really believe in the decision that maybe upper management has done. But I will also say this, the minute that you let people know how you Mm -hmm. feel about things, you've predominantly lost your team um, because you have to be the example. This is a decision that you don't have a lot of authority over. You don't have control over. The executives are going to make that decision. Then you've got a couple choices, don't you? You can buck the system, but where where will that get you? Or you got to get behind that. Uh, You got to get behind that decision and you've got to help your team uh, implement that. Yep. That's what you do is get work done through others. That's right. So, you know, you've, you've got a mission to the higher purpose. I wonder, would this be a place where we could use that that awesome question that we always ask here at MTI, the, how is this the best problem we've ever had? You know, as you maybe have, have um, disgruntled employees because of the decision that's come down, like just kind of generate that positive momentum about, you know, instead of coming out and saying, yeah, I think it sucks too. But, you know, how can we turn that around? Well, and 
you know, several other things you can do. One is go find out more about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, where did that decision come from? Um, you know, how how can you get behind it? Right. Um, should you get behind it? You know, if this truly goes against your personal values, is this really something you will be able to get behind? You know, I've, I've been in a situation where my leadership asked me to actually to lie about something. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge personal value decision. So maybe it is or it isn't. Um, But if you don't know why they've made the decision they've made and you need to get behind it, you need to go find out more about it. And then you can make maybe more of a decision like Dewey was talking about. Excellent. Well, as we start wrapping up this idea of decision making, um, you know, obviously kind of recapping when you go back, we want to think about our kind of our general style we have made in the past historically with decision making um, and then really start identifying ways to maybe flex that style dependent on the situation. Bring your team in where they can if it's decisions that just come down. Thank you all so much for listening to The Weekly Workplace and go be great and make good decisions. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu.